goal isn't starting the podcast. The goal isn't becoming an entrepreneur. The goal is impacting as many people as you possibly can. You know, the seduction of success, being blissfully dissatisfied. Like I think it's Ed Milet that says that. I don't celebrate a win ever. Like I don't fucking care about it. If I close a deal, if I get a big sponsorship or whatever it is, I'm happy for the moment. And then like, I completely forget about it. I think it's important to celebrate the win. So you remember what it feels like. If you have a goal, you peak at your endorphins firing fully there 80% of the goal. And then it starts to come down. And that's why so many people will hit something and then they'll be done. Ed talks a lot about standards over goals. So if I hit 30% of my goals, my standard is to get in that 46 degree water for five, five minutes every morning. And that just comes your natural habit and the things you continue to do in your growth, right? So if you look at your day, Sean, I'm sure you have this whole list of standards that you do, regardless if you realize it or not, which makes you great in your field, right? Like when you played college baseball, you had standards, things that you did every day. They weren't goals. I had to do this every single day to get to where I want to go. And I think that's where a lot of people miss it. I think I need to celebrate the win more. It's super important too. Once we're celebrating, let's also know that like, hey, you got to pay that fucking rent tomorrow, man. Unlock your true potential on the field and court with our peak mental performance program for athletes. Train your mind to conquer challenges, stay focused under pressure, and achieve unparalleled success. Our expert coaches will guide you through personalized techniques, enhancing concentration, resilience, and confidence. Picture yourself outperforming your rivals, making split-second decisions with clarity, and achieving victory like never before. Join us today and elevate your game to new heights. Peak Mental Performance Program, where champions are forged in the mind. Email me today, sean.french at thedeterminedsociety.com for more information. See you inside. And a huge thank you to our platinum sponsor, Legacy Luxury Builders. Well, I got to tell you, Southwest Florida is one of the most beautiful places on the planet to live. We have beaches, palm trees, white sand, absolutely gorgeous. For those of you that are thinking of moving from other states to come to Florida, or even just moving to a different part of the state, consider Southwest Florida. And I want you to think a little bit deeper here. I want you to think of a big, beautiful luxury home. Contact Legacy Luxury Builders. They are a family-owned and operated luxury residential construction company with a rich heritage in the construction industry and a deep-rooted commitment to excellence. They have established themselves as a trusted name in crafting exceptional homes for families seeking the epitome of luxury living. As a family-owned business, they understand the significance of creating a home that goes beyond mere bricks and mortar. They believe in the power of building not just homes, but legacies, homes that serve as the backdrop for cherished memories and the foundation for future generations. With each project, they approach it as if they were building their own family's dream home, ensuring the utmost care, attention to detail, and passion in every aspect of the construction process. Contact Legacy Luxury Builders now. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Determined Society. I have with me an amazing performance coach who's known for changing lives. He's a podcast host with engaging conversation, which I might add, I've been on a show. He's a badass fucking host. He's being a little modest. The dude's a badass. He's a motivational speaker and author of an inspiring book. Prepare to be motivated as we explore his insights and success-driven approach. I want to welcome my boy, Chris Welton to the show. What's up, homie? Man, thanks, dude. Thank you so much for the for the kind words, and thanks for getting me on the show, man. I appreciate it. Hey, I'm excited. Hey, 
Dude, man, I'm, I'm super excited. I've been waiting for this one all day, dude. It, like I said, it's been a crazy day with a balancing act between recording my shows and doing a whole bunch of other stuff. So it's just so great to sit here and talk to you. I know we had to reschedule and uh, we're finally here. So it's a long time yeah, coming, man. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, definitely a long time coming. Well, absolutely. So listen, um, for those, for the audience that doesn't know your story, what I want to do is I want you to introduce who you really are, right? What is the essence of Christopher? What has made you maybe some stories of adversity and what, what's, what's your makeup, man? Let all these people know what's up. Yeah. So how much time you got? Um, oh, you know, we got 45 minutes, dog. Yeah, Just so let me get let, in a word in here and there. Yeah, that's all. Let's, let's go. Let's, <laughs> let's chop it up. Um, you know, so the, the biggest thing is I, I, I was born the son of a drug addict and, um, uh, my mom uh, did drugs when she was pregnant with me and caused me to be born with a limb difference. As you can see, I'm missing my left hand and half of my left arm. And um, I lived that life bouncing around as a child from relative to relative while my mom was in and out of rehab and um, learned the lessons at a young age that have paid off now that I'm 50 years old. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have learned them when I was eight or nine or 10 or 11 years old, but I did. And I, I I've, got a point in my life where I realized that all those things that happened to me, Sean, were meant to happen to me so I could help other people that were having that struggle or going down similar paths. But it took 48 years to realize that. I thought I just had really bad luck. Like, like everything was bad. Everything would fall down. I mean, <clears throat> the number of things that happened to me. And then when I realized I had this epiphany that, hey, man, you're here to, to do more than just what you're doing currently. You're here to help other people get through these struggles. So that's when I made this shift and 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 really have gone after writing a book and, and getting out there and, and changing my life to help change other people along the way. I mean, it, you know, it's it's one thing, man. We talk about bad luck and, and a lot of times we can create our own bad fucking luck, just like we can create our own really good luck, right? By either not doing the work that we say we're going to do or by doing the things that we know that we need to do that are necessary to be super successful. I mean, you have a very successful career as a chief sales officer for your mortgage company, your motivational speaker, author, amazing coach and, and podcast host. And in all the while, as you mentioned, you are a born of son of a drug addict. Now, for those of you that are listening, uh, rewind it to that part where he talked about, he was born with a limb indifference. Uh, now, if you also follow Chris, which I highly suggest that you do after this show or stop the damn show now, if you're listening to it and go follow him at one hand at a time on Instagram and digest who the fuck he is for a little while, because then you will realize some of your excuses on a day-to-day -day basis are fucking trivial. <laughs> and are. I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to me too, right? Because a lot of people, man, you know, Hey, I really... I really can't go do this because I'm tired or I didn't get enough sleep. Like, dude, I see you in the fucking gym with, with a resistance band on, on the, on the arm that has the limb indifference and you're fucking hauling, dude. That's, yeah. that's perseverance. That's resiliency. That's overcoming that adversity. Talk a little bit how you've been able to use that to your benefit to teach others. You know, I love how you brought that up because I was on a call the other day with one of my coaches, Ben Newman, and we were talking a lot about that. And, and I said, you know, it, what I enjoy most about it is, is when I'm in the gym and someone walks up to me that 
has all their limbs and has everything. And they're like, Hey man, you inspired me today. Mm. So that makes me work harder. But when I step in the right. gym, I don't think myself as someone with a living difference. I think myself as someone who's going to go in here and bust my ass, push myself so hard that I might get sick. That happens mm-hmm. because I know when I push myself, what happens? I just grow, right? I just continue to do that. So for me, it was just natural to start posting some of those videos, start putting mm-hmm. that content out there and showing people what's possible with a limb difference, but also get rid of all your excuses, man. Like the only reason you didn't go to the gym this morning is because you didn't go to the gym this morning. Right. That's it, right? That's it. And I'm on day 30 right now, 75 hard. I just got my Peloton session and it's five Eastern time. I quit working early so I could get 45 minutes in before we got on here for my second workout of the day. And this is my third time through. And I don't share that with you because I'm bragging. I share that with you because I want you to know what's possible. Like if you really wanted to get your shit done, if you really wanted to get your life together, all you got to do is take action and do it. Right. I mean, it's, it sounds so simple because dude, it really is. Dude, it's like those, those moments, bro. Like those limiting beliefs and and dude, you know, I've done 75 hard. I am a big proponent of of Andy Priscilla and first form shit. You know, I've partnered with them uh, for the show, right? Mm -hmm. This show, a lot of it is powered by first form. Right. And, and so here's the thing, like everybody's excuses are just this thought process and this this messed up wiring in their brain to where they want to talk themselves out of something because they're afraid it ain't going to fucking work because they're looking at something like, okay, here's where I'm at today, but I want to look at that overall result. And I want to attach myself to that outcome instead of being like, fuck man, the, the, the rewards in the work. And, and for, for the people that are listening, this just isn't about the gym. You, I've noticed over the last four weeks, we've talked about the gym a lot in my shows, and it's because I'm on my own journey. I'm fucking crushing it in there. I'm hitting my macros. I'm doing my 45-minute walks. I'm doing all the work necessary, so I'm really passionate about it because it's helping me in so many different other aspects of my career and my show and my content, right? But, but what, are you, what are your thoughts? Like, where do people – where's the disconnect, man? Because – they know they're laying down in bed. They have a choice to get up or get up off the couch or not eat the Doritos. Why are they not doing it? Like, what's the disconnect? What kind of limiting so, belief? So here's, here's what I, the way I, I, I talk to my coaching clients is there's, there's a couple of reasons why you're not taking action. The first one is fear. The fear that it's not going to work and people are going to make fun of you or say something about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Then there's the fear, Sean, that it's going to work and you're going to have to keep doing it. <laughs> Right. And then the third one is which most people is, is people are just lazy. Mm. You're just lazy. I, I talked the other day, I was in a coaching session with a bunch of clients and I said, Hey, if Netflix and chill was a four year degree, I would have got it in 18 months. I'm really good at Netflix and chill. Dude. I'm like, so I'm so good at that. I'm shit, one dude. of the best out there, yeah. <laughs> but I earn my Netflix and chill. Right. I get up at right. 5am and I get my cold plunge in and I do my workout and I do all those things. And that gives me the opportunity to do what I want later in the day. What people don't understand is that self-confidence is built off keeping small promises to yourself, right? So if I go five or six and O in the morning with my reading and everything else that I do, my confidence is so high. What do I do? I'm sitting on my, my, uh, 
couch on a Sunday morning and I DM Sean French, a guy who we kind of knew each other, said, Hey man, let's just do a podcast swap. That's exactly how that happened, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like <clears throat> I sent the shoe off to Damon West and then Damon West was on my podcast and that's part of the book. And I hope we can talk about that a little bit later, but um, I would love to it by, by the gym is the easiest thing to do to increase your self-confidence. Working out you know, is the easiest thing to do to help your self-confidence. It's just, it's all it's, about winning. It's funny because like we talk about working out and it just, it's not that we're these meatheads in the gym and that's all we do. We just know we have it figured out that if we do that one thing, then I'm going to make the extra phone call to a, to a mortgage prospect in your case. Yep. I'm going to call on one more physician in my case. I'm going to um, reach out to another, you know, potential podcast guest that is a big guest that scares me to do it, but I built in these little evidence wins throughout the day. I call them stacking dubs. Like yep. I'm stacking dubs all day fucking long. Right. If I can stack as many up throughout the day that I know I've built up my armor of confidence that day, but guess what? Tomorrow morning, it don't matter. Those have to be built up again, man. Mm -hmm. And I think where people get really, um, you know, Ben Newman likes to call it, you know, um, seduced by success. Seduced by success. So yeah. like you have that successful day and you think tomorrow is just going to be okay. Tomorrow has nothing to do with today. Yeah. You know, so how have you in your journey, um, start to put that together, right? Cause I think it's important for people that are listening right now to be like, Hey, I did good yesterday. I didn't eat that pizza that my family was eating, but dude, it doesn't fucking matter now. Cause it's Wednesday. Oh, I don't Man, know what uh, it is, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Let's talk about the seduction of success. I'm getting ready to speak to a high school football team next week and talk about this, a very prominent team that, that competes for a state title every year. And, um, I'll give you some examples of me seduction, seduction of success that has affected me in life, which I didn't really know what it was until recently. <clears throat> Being a kid with a limb difference, if I made the sports team, I was happy. And I was good enough to play, but I would just make the team and I would be good. I was a great baseball player. Make the team, I was happy, right? Didn't work any harder once I got there. I was seduced by the success of just having the jersey and the hat. Playing varsity football, made the team, got my letterman's jacket, I'm good with just being on kickoff and kickoff return. I'm not going to really work that hard anymore because I made the team. In life, I made a million dollars when I was 27 years old. First time I made a million bucks, I was 27 years old. But by the time I was 31, I lost it all. Why? Because I stopped doing the work that I did at 27 to make the money. Yeah. I was seduced by success. I stopped doing everything. Now where I'm at in my life, I'm like, dude, every time I win, what do I do? I just double down and, and, and push a little harder. So I hope that people are listening and they can say, shit, I just had a big day yesterday. I had five phone calls. Five people said yes. Tomorrow I got to get six people to say yes or whatever mm -hmm. that is, <clears throat> because it's all about keeping that momentum on your side. One of my coaching clients we're talking today and he's got a decent sized real estate team and we have some, some new realtors on the team, young rookies in the business, and they've been banging the phones. And while he was on vacation last week, they, they, they put five properties under contract, three rookies. Right. Mm. So I said, okay, let's look at their legion. What have they done since then? Oh, well, they didn't show up for legion. They didn't do this. They're not doing their calls. I'm like, okay, we got to stop right now because mm -hmm. they're seduced by that success. Right. The 90 day wonder, I'm going to go out here and kill it. And then I'm going to lose the job. And I'm going to say, well, you want fries with that. 
no offense if you guys yeah. are fries with that, but yeah, if you want fries yeah. with that. So no offense. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So that's my whole thing with the seduction of success for sure. You know, I want to dive into something and I hope I'm not overstepping, but I want to go into the psychology of you back in the day when you were mm-hmm. a great baseball player, a great football player, but you were seduced by that success. Does it go any deeper than that? Right. Cause like I, I, I'm curious, right? I'm coming from a place of curiosity of like, okay, here's this gentleman with a limb indifference. Now I know now you don't look at yourself that way, but I'm, what I'm wondering is, is back in high school, right? When you make these teams and you're like, fuck, I made it. Well, I ain't going to trip off playing because I'm not supposed to fucking be here anyway. Yeah, that's, that's really what happened. I mean, you just, yeah, you, you find yourself in that spot. And you know, it's so weird. It's like, when I think about it, I, I was a really good basketball player too. And, um, I would go to the courts and I would go to the roughest parts of Orlando and we would go play. I'm six foot five. Okay. So when I was no shit. Yeah. When I was 16, I was six, five, I could dunk Mm -hmm. a basketball. No problem. Right. And we would go to the parks and I would go off and have big games. And every time I'd hit a shot, I would just get more and more confident. But for some reason, I didn't let that bleed over to on the football field. I would get out there and I would mow people over and practice and do all those things. But then I would kind of sit back and relax. I look at that now and I don't let that happen to me now. Like if the door mm-hmm. opens and I go green, you better look out. We're going to go after everything we can, right? We're going to get everything yeah. we can. And it, it's I, probably I, I, more the fact that I just was so happy making the team mm-hmm. that, that that was it. And I think a lot of people fall to that. They're just happy to make the team. Like they don't, I never imagined myself being a superstar, right? Like I just never, I never visioned that. And I had all the ability and talent to do those things, but I never envisioned mm-hmm. that happening. You know, I think it's something that people get caught up in. And and if you don't have that end vision on the movie screen of your mind mm-hmm. to a point where you are closing your eyes at night and you're visualizing what it looks like to lay somebody out, lay that quarterback out when you're in high school, like then you're not going to have that drive and determination in order to go through all the process that you need to, in order to be a really good fucking defensive end. That's just the way it is. I don't give a shit if it's defensive end or if you're a a shortstop, you know, playing baseball, like you have to, the goal isn't making the team, right? The goal isn't starting the podcast. The goal isn't like becoming an entrepreneur, right? The goal is, impacting as many people as you possibly can in making the mark right in, in, in making your mark to point where, Hey, that's your best, right? There, there is something though, that I, you know, that I always look at, you know, the seduction of success or being blissfully dissatisfied. Like, I think it's Ed Milet that says that, um, I always think to myself, like, I don't know, I have this weird, and I think we've talked about this, I, I don't celebrate a win ever. Like, like I don't fucking care about it. Like if I, if I close a deal, if I get a big sponsorship or whatever it is, I'm happy for the moment. And then I like, I completely forget about it. Sometimes I feel that celebrating a win a little bit longer is definitely necessary for me. Right. Because the next day I, I can wake up and I'm in that low energy shrunk up version of Sean French. I'm like, mm-hmm fuck, here we go. I got to do this shit again, man. You know? So for me, um, I think I need to celebrate the win more, but I think it's super, it's super important too. Once we're celebrating, once also know that like, Hey, you got to pay that fucking rent tomorrow, man. Like that, 
that that success doesn't count. Yeah, I think it's important to celebrate the wins so you remember what it feels like, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, in they talk a lot about how your emotions, how you, you, you like your your peak state, eighty percent of when you're done with a goal. Like, if you have a goal, mm-hmm. you peak at your endorphins, or they're all firing. Eight, you're, you're fully there, eighty percent of the goal, and then it starts to come down, right? And that's why so many people will hit something and then they'll be done. That's why we talk so much about, Ed talks a lot about standards over goals. Goal is something that you ha- you give yourself permission not to hit. Let's be honest, right? So if I hit 30% of my goals, oh my gosh, look at you. You're great, right? But if my standard was X, my standard is to mm-hmm. get in that 46 degree water for five, five minutes every morning. My standard mm-hmm. is not to eat the fries at the drive-thru or whatever that is. Then that just becomes your natural habit and the things you continue to do and your growth. Right. So if you look at your day, Sean, I'm sure you have this whole list of standards that you do regardless if you realize it or not, which makes you great in your field. Right. Like that's just, mm-hmm. that's how it works. When you played college baseball, you had standards, things that you did every day. They weren't goals. I had to do this every single day to get to where I want to go. And I think that's where a lot of people you know, miss it. I always got really agitated with goal setting when I was playing baseball. Like, you know, the smart goals, specific, measurable, achievable, like whatever. Right. And like, to me, it bothered me because I'm like, well, no, like if I do X, I'm going to get Y automatically because I have the ability. I was good. So for me, it was just to your point. And I didn't know what it was back then. It was just something that I did. It was my standard, my standard. My son asked me the other day. Daddy, how, how did you get to get to play baseball at LSU? I said, well, I said, well, I said, God did bless me with amazing talent. You know, he gave me a phenomenal arm. Um, he gave me great hands. He didn't give me very fast legs. I was <laughs> like, but, you know, he, he gave me a lot. He gave me the ability to be an amazing catcher. I go, so I did my work with that. Like I did my individual defensive skills, but you know what I did mostly? Uh, my son's Bobby. I said, Bobby, you know what I did mostly? I was like, if nobody could find me in the house, it's because they they could find me in the garage. I was hitting off the tee every single night till my hands bled. Come hell or high water, it did not fucking matter how much pain I was in. I would go to practice. <clears throat> I'd hit at early practice. Then I'd go through practice. Then I'd stay later until it was dark. And then I, I later and I would hit in the cage. And if nobody wanted to hit with me, which... Most of my teammates just wanted to go fucking drink and smoke pot out of mm-hmm. high school. So they were fucking gone. I was sitting there hitting off a tee until the, until the sun, the sun went down. It was dark and I'd put the shit back in the shed, get in my car, go home, eat dinner, lie about not having homework and then go in the garage and hit again. Yep. It was a standard. Yep. You know, I, I was willing to do whatever I needed <laughs> to do in order to get to where I wanted. So what a blessing that is in a roadmap that your kids have, right? They, they have a roadmap to success, a proven roadmap, not just a dad who's sitting in the stands yelling at people, right? Like, mm-hmm. like they're, I, you know, I coached athletics a ton when I was younger and um, you'd have those dads in the stand that are yelling and trying to tell people what to do. And they've never put a glove on in their life or, or whatever, you know, obviously you, you, you're able to bring that to the table with them, which is, that's pricey. <clears throat> it's, it's valuable, man. And yeah, dude, there's some serious, you know, armchair quarterbacks in the stands, especially in little league nowadays, dude, have you been to a little league field lately? Well, 
out my back door of my neighborhood, out my back gate is Lake Mary Little League that just went to the region. Oh, okay. Literally, it's like, okay. like I ride my bike through the field. It's like right there. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, this is when I coached youth sports, this is what I would do. Okay. First practice, kids are on the field stretching and warming up. I took applications for coaching and I handed it to everybody in the stands. And I said, here's the deal. I'm the coach this year. If you want to coach next year, there's an application. You can go ahead and fill it out and submit it. And you can coach next year. Till then, <laughs> I need you to stay up here. Let me run the uh-huh. team. Uh-huh. You know, it's funny. What we did. Uh, I mean, we can, I mean, I love the topic of youth sports. I think it's completely broken. Um, I think kids are specializing way too soon. And I'm also the pot calling the kettle black because I specialized really early. Uh, but I just, to me, I wasn't really good at anything else other than baseball. So if it was an easy, it was an easy thing for me. But, you know, I, I think the biggest problem with youth sports now is that the parents are so disillusioned on what the games actually mean at that level. Mm-hmm. Like, here, here, here's my point. You know, my son's nine. And, you know, I have a membership for him down at DBAT and we go here and there. And a lot of my friends ask me like, hey, why aren't you drilling this kid yet? Like, why aren't you doing all these drills? Why isn't he playing year round? I go, because he's fucking nine, dumbass. He's nine. And, and, you know, well, what about this fall? I'm like, nah, man, he wants to go play soccer. Well, let him go play soccer this fall, man. Like, that's the only way he can become an athlete is to have multi-sport exposure. And not only that, like I want him to be hungry when it's baseball season. And there's always going to be a time, Chris, there's a time when a kid hits maybe 12, 13 years old. Now it's go time. Like Mm -hmm. you want to be a badass dude on the baseball field on the diamond. Then all right. All right, motherfucker. We're going to work. We're going to work. The best the best example of that is, is if you haven't watched it yet on Apple plus there's a, a, a movie, Steph Curry about Steph Curry and how underrated he was. And that when he was a sophomore in high school, nobody even knew who Steph Curry was. He literally was still shooting from his hip. His dad's Del Curry, like 15 year NBA star, but yeah. Steph never was interested in going to the next level. He just wanted to play. Mm-hmm. So between his sophomore and junior year, he came to his dad and said, Hey, I want to play college basketball. And so his dad said, okay, let's go to work. And his dad spent hours and hours and hours perfecting a shot and working on it. And then Steph just put all in and look what happened. Okay. Yeah, so look, look now best shooter in the history of the NBA. Right. I mean, like there's yeah. no question. Right. Yeah. So I loved that. I, I had no idea. I, I expected you were going to see three-year-old Steph doing dribble ball, you know, dribble drills. Cause dad was an NBA star, but nope. Dad sit back and, and, and was present with him and let him play sports and do his thing. And then when, when, but he only got, you know, again, Steph got one division one offer Davidson yep. college. That's it. And we see how that turned out. Yeah. And that's the thing, man. It's like being present with your kid and allowing them to be them until they come to you to tell you what they really want to do. There's so much power in that. There's too many parents and, you know, in little league and whether it's AAU and basketball or, or travel ball for baseball, they are bestowing what they wanted as a kid onto their kids. And they are just shoving it down their throats when, you know, quite honestly, these kids at such an early age, they just want to play a game. They want to be out there with their boys. They want to get a fucking burger or an mm-hmm. ice cream cone after the game. That's really all they're there for. And, and, and to me, that is the most pure. I, I remember, um, I had a, I had a buddy back in the day. His name was Jeff Skinner. And, 
you know, we would we would meet up at the Little League field. We played on the Cardinals and and we would meet there. Like no joke, dude. We would if our game was at three, we'd be there for the ten o'clock game. Oh yeah. <clears throat> and and we would play pickle. We would run to the snack shack, make the fucking payphone ring on it by itself and run away mm-hmm. and then go get this thing called Grand Slam Burgers. I mean, that was my childhood. Mm-hmm. I did the same. I I would ride my bike like f- almost five miles to the baseball field when I was 11 years old. Mm-hmm. I'd look at the schedule and see whose games were first whenever my game was. That's great. I would put my bat bag on and get on my bike and I'd ride my bicycle down there and I'd get there early in the morning for the first games and I would hang out and I'd go to the concession stand and do whatever and pitch. And by the time the game came, I'd been there like five or six hours, yeah, <laughs> you know, but, but like, like Saturday, <laughs> Saturdays at Northwest little league in Orlando. That's just, I loved that. Like that was yeah, so much to me. Yeah. Yeah. And then dude, like I just, to me, those were the formative years, just being out there watching baseball, watching my friends and just, it was just a fraternity, you know? And I just think that these players nowadays, they face so so many more challenges, uh, whether they're in little league or whether they're in high school or college. Um, we won't really get into that conversation because I really want to dive into the, the bulk of your book. And, and I want you to yeah. talk about, talk about that, but I, I do want to touch on, you know, the, the pressures of athletes uh, really quickly. I, I don't, it always baffles me that parents and coaches can be tone deaf to the fact that these kids playing these sports have more pressure today than they ever did. It's yeah. everywhere, bro. It's on social media. You know, the, the pressure to be a peak performer now is astronomically higher than it was when we were children. You know, if, you, if, if there's one parent listening to this right now, and you can say one thing to that parent that would resonate to them about their true, their kids, true athlete development and how they should handle it. What would you say to them? Um, you know, I was just thinking this through, like when I was a kid, you, it, when you're a freshman in college, you couldn't drive to school. Like you couldn't have a car as a freshman year. Right. So I think you shouldn't have, be able to have any social media accounts when you're a freshman in college. Like, I just think that that would be like, if I'm a freshman athlete, let me stay off social media for a year and do my thing. Right mm. now I know there's millions of dollars involved in NILs and all this is just crazy. Just another bag of bag of shit to open. Yeah. Unbelievable shit. But, um, I would say, let your, make sure your kid really enjoys what they're doing. Like, you know, too many times we force them in a direction where they really don't want to go. Mm-hmm. Or you think, you know, what's best for them. It really comes down to is my, does my kid really want to do that? And I don't think what a lot of people don't realize is, and you know this, that if you're a big time college athlete, it's like having a full-time job and going to school. Yeah, it like sure it, is, it's man. not, it's, it's, it's not just practice after school. Like it's super demanding. And I think a lot of people don't understand that, but all in all, it's like, make sure your kid enjoys what they're doing and, 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 and has a good time. And you know what? I talked about this on a podcast recently. I said, too often our standards are too high for our kids. And I'm not meaning in a bad way. I'm talking about like, I mean, I mean in a bad way, not the good way. Like my standards, I want him to be excellent at all these different things. And if he's not, you're in trouble. Okay. Well, if he goes zero for yeah. four, he goes zero for four. I still love you. Yeah. I still love you. And, and that talking to a kid that way will make them that much better as they get older than, Nope, you're not doing anything. Back to the cage. Oh, for four. Arr, arr, you know, 
Dude, I lived that life, man. My, my father was that way. You know, I would come to the truck. And, and, and again, my dad, <clears throat> for the most part, re- really supported me in baseball, made sure I had everything I needed, went to all my games. He was there for me. Okay. Um, but I remember going to the truck and I was like two for four, double and a bomb. And I would maybe pop popped up to the infield you know, that one time and then struck out the other time. It looked fucking silly. <laughs> typically after the home run, right? Um, that's typically when you feel like you're, you have the biggest balls and uh, you, you get humbled really you're quickly. Swinging forward again. <laughs> yeah, you look like a dick. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'd get in the truck like all happy, like Peacock. And he's like, the fuck was that third bat a third at bat about you struck out like what the fuck mm-hmm. and so the way i read it what 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 he wanted me what he was really trying to tell me i think was don't be complacent right but the way i heard it and because he wasn't very articulate was like you got to be perfect sean or don't get in this fucking vehicle and that and that stuck with me and that and that hurt <clears throat> but you know the, the the one thing that i i mean i can 100 agree with everything you're saying dude like the social media aspect Stay the fuck off of it. Like if you're, it's going to be really hard for, for a child that, or a young, young athlete to, to be off the social media when they're a freshman in college, yeah. but to your point of, you know, <laughs> it's a full-time job. It's a full-time job. Like back in the day, you never got paid for it. And, and some of the players right today, even in baseball, they're not getting paid because they're not the big names. Right. But let, let's give context to the audience here on, on a full, <laughs> on a full day. So as a division one baseball athlete, we were up by 5 a.m. in the gym by 545 to stretch and warm up 6 a.m. lift 6 to 7 a.m. lifting um, 7 to 730 running stadiums in Tiger Stadium. Okay, puking everywhere, legs shaking. All right, boys, 735 class starts at 810. Go home, take a shower, eat and be don't be late to class. Then you go to class and you go to three or four classes and then you had to go to early hitting and then you had, then you had baseball practice and then you had, you know, study hall until 9 PM. So your day starts at 6 AM and you don't get done till nine. Right. And during season you're traveling, you're not even on campus. It, no. it, it's, it's a lot, right? So <laughs> these athletes having perspective, you know, and understanding how to develop properly is going to serve them when they get to the higher level. So let's switch gears. Let's switch okay. gears. Let's, go. let's talk to the audience about your book, buddy. All right. So um, I, I call myself the self-proclaimed king of R&D, which is rip off and duplicate. So if I see somebody <laughs> doing something that's effective and it's working, then I'm going to go do it. If it's copywritten, have your letters, your attorney send me a cease and desist, and then I might respond. We'll see what happens. <laughs> so <clears throat> I'm watching social media like I do, and Bradley comes up, he's talking about, hey, connect with people by sending this one shoe and a handwritten note. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I like that. I'm a big Jordan fan. I should do that. So I start doing it. So I get one shoe, and I, I get Damon West shoe size through some DMs back and forth, and I send him one Jordan shoe and a handwritten note. Damon responds to me, gets on my podcast. Him and I are are friends today. So I thought, man, I'm going to keep doing this. So I've done it 11 times now. Um, There's still four shoes sitting in the top of the closet over there waiting to be sent off to the other people. Um, Three of those, two of those four are scheduled calls. um, And the other two, I'm still waiting to get those calls, those calls booked. But so I'm like, I'm going to write a book. And I've done that. I'm, I'm, I'm seven chapters in now. I'm just waiting for the final few chapters to be finished. 
And um, it's called, it started with one Jordan. And it's literally the story of how I took one Jordan and a handwritten note and connected to these individuals. And I've built some really incredible relationships with these people so far. And um, Ben Newman and I have become really close from sending him one shoe. Um, Damon West and I are, are very close. And it, it's opened doors for me to, to relationships that otherwise I wouldn't have been able to get into. Mm -hmm. um, and it's putting me in rooms and giving me opportunities um, that I may have not been able to, to, to get to. So <clears throat> most of the people have been very receptive uh, to the shoe. I did have one gentleman send me the shoe back and he told me that um, he didn't need any shoes. So at <laughs> first I was highly offended. I'm like, how dare you not want to talk to Chris Welton about one Jordan? Like I was so yeah. offended about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I was going to write this chapter, this scathing chapter about him. And I'm like, so I started, I listened to the recording when we, we talked on the phone. Cause he did let me have 15 minutes on the phone with, with, mm -hmm. with him, which is great. And this guy's a hundred million dollar guy. Like, I mean, he's super high end. And I listened to the recording right before I was getting ready to write the chapter. And I said, he did everything that he says he does. Hmm. He wrote a book called buy back your time, literally where he doesn't let anybody take his time from him. And so he lived up to his brand to me. How can I be mad about that? Yeah. Yeah. So I have mad respect for Dan Martell for doing that. And he sent me the shoe back. I've got it, which is, I think it's just hysterical, but that's okay. <laughs> you know, he's like, Hey, I know that's your thing. It's not my thing. I don't need your shoe. He said, but how can I serve you? Like, like he was that kind on the phone call. I didn't hear that the first time. All I heard was, is you're not getting a damn, I'm sending you the damn shoe back. You're a moron. Like that's, that's what I heard. But so I got, so now these people know who I am. Mm -hmm. So what do I do with it now? Like, I think so many times people will meet somebody they want to meet or connect with somebody. They'll connect with Sean French, but what do they do? Hey, I had Sean French on my podcast. And then you never hear from them again, right? Yeah. But that the reason I wrote the book is because that's almost every salesperson in the world. They'll call me and they'll tell me, hey, you're not going to believe this big, powerful meeting I had with this unbelievable whale agent, this real mm -hmm. estate agent that nobody can get to. And then three months from now, I'll go, what happened? Oh, you know, uh, well, you never followed up again, did you? No, but they didn't send me any leads either. So <laughs> I wrote the book not. to show what's possible, but I'm right. also already thinking about the next version of the book on what I do with these relationships and how I turn them into big opportunities. And I'm already getting opportunities, right? Like I met Ed Milet recently and mm -hmm. I'm actually going to get a chance to spend some time with Ed in October um, with Ben and Tim Grover, like in a nice intimate environment. Right. But I would have never had that opportunity if I hadn't sent the Jordan and got in the door. So if you're listening to this and you want to connect with somebody on a different level, figure out what it takes to get there, right? I mean, these are Jordan ones. They're $120. It's not like I'm sending some super, a couple of the guys I sent some super limited edition shoes because they're right. sneakerheads, and I knew it would take more than a Jordan one to get in front of them. <laughs> Lewis House, if you're listening and you haven't responded yet, your Jordan fives have been there for three weeks. So, um, <laughs> I, but it's not that expensive hmm. and it's unique, right? And people will remember you for that. So, you know, David Meltzer, he was on my podcast a couple of weeks ago. I sent David one shoe. David responded at a 15 minute call. We recorded it, made a podcast of it. I met him in Las Vegas. We just happened to be at the same event, which was really cool. 
and we hung out. Like he had a bunch of people standing around and I walked up to him. I said, Hey, I'm Chris Walton. I'm the one Jordan guy. He stopped everybody and introduced me to everybody. And he's been just so kind to me um, because I sent him that one shoe. Now he's not a Jordan fan, but I sent mm-hmm. him the other shoe the other day and he's actually going to give it away on his website to a kid who needs a pair of size. I mean, where's a size nine, no offense, Sean, if you wear nines, but that's a really small shoe for a man. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I mean, I wear a 14, so, you know, anything. Yeah. More, well, you're six, five. Yeah. Yeah. I need a little more to hold me up. Right. But it's just been something that I decided to run with and man, it's been really cool to watch it develop. So I, I, I partnered up with game changer publishing, um, mm-hmm. they love the idea and the concept of the book. And, um, we're going to, the tentative release date is 10, 23, 23. Cause I want it to be kind of a Jordan esque type of deal. That's dope. That's <laughs> yeah, cool. And, and it's going to be on a billboard in times square in November. Like, I mean, how, how cool is that dude? Like this That's is something really cool. that manifested last year. I had a nine hour flight delay flying back from Charleston, South Carolina on a business trip. I sat in the airport with my journal I'm like, what are you going to do in 2023 to be different, dude? Because you've got to do something different because right now you're stuck. And I literally just broke it all down. And that's what I did. Dude, it's amazing because you're talking about journaling. And and this is something that I don't do enough of. Like I I just, my, my mind is like just a tornado, right? And I never sit long enough to write, but I need to, and I realize that that's something that I need to improve upon. So for everybody listening, it's okay to know your shortcomings and admit them in front of the whole fucking world. Yes. So two things. One, Lewis House is not listening to my show. I'm sorry. Well, maybe sorry. he might. Be. Maybe maybe if he finds out Chris Walton's on the show, maybe he finds out Chris yeah, Walton's on the show, he might. He might. Don't worry, he hasn't responded to me either. Yeah. So, um, but but you know, when you're sitting there, everybody has that inflection point right? You're sitting there in a layover and you probably had a frustrating day. You probably maybe didn't have the best, you know, business trip, whatever the case may be. And you're sitting there, I got to do something different in 2023. For those of you listening, I want, I want you to understand that all of us have that moment where we want to sit, we need to sit down and say, what more do I need to do? What can I do differently to be noticed, to set myself apart from the pack, right? To be noticed because that is your personal brand. I don't care if you have a podcast and you're an author like Chris and I, uh, or you're or you're uh, a teacher. It doesn't matter. Like if you're a teacher, then you have an opportunity to impact hundreds of thousands of kids throughout your career. How are you different? How are you differentiating yourself from the teacher next door that's just shouting demands? Here's your syllabus, guys. This is what we're fucking doing. That doesn't work, right? How can you specialize, right? I think that's the the one the one message right there that I want to applaud you on is you specialize at something. You call yourself the one Jordan guy. To me, yeah, it's, so, so it's genius let, though. So let's go into that a little bit. I think it's really important that that people understand that their story, how powerful their story is, right? So everybody has a story and we call it their origin story, right? And Renee Rodriguez, who's my speaking coach, he's the one who, who helped me with all this. And you're your origin story is, is who you are. And you need to share that with people on your journey, because that's the reason why people will resonate with you. If they know the reason behind who I really am, the reason I am a school teacher, if that's what you do or whatever that is, or I'm in the mortgage business or, or I sell medical devices. What separates you is who you are, your difference, right? The difference who you are. 
And, and so many people are like, well, what's your why, right? What's your why? And I think that's an overused statement. Sure it is. And, and when I'm asking people, like when I meet with somebody and I, and I have a conversation and I want to go deeper with them and I want to help them get past, I, I think why is a question that like a two-year-old asks, like, why, why, you know, or, yeah, yeah. or your wife's like, why didn't you pick up your socks? Like mm-hmm. both times it's not good. Right. Yeah. So I like to use a different phrasing there. I like to use how, like, how did we get here or how can we overcome this? Mm-hmm. What, what, what can we do different? Right. What could, what could be different about the situation or what could we change? Um, and then who, who do I need to become to get to that next level in my life? Right. So anything I look at, it's how, what, and who, not why do I want to be there, but how, what, and who. And, and when you ask people those, like when I sit down with a potential realtor to try to partner with them, I ask them, how did you get in your current relationship with a lender? What did they do different? Who do I need to become to be that lender? Mm. Right. Nobody else is asking mm. those questions. Like no. when I have a potential coaching client, I ask them the same thing. I don't ask them why they want to be coached. Mm-hmm. I ask them why they have this coach now. How did you get in that relationship? Right. What, what made, what, what stood out? What was different? Right. And then who do I need to be? And I think people need to understand the questioning and the format of that to get where they want to go with it. Um, and I love your talk about journaling because, you know, I use journaling as a therapy, as therapy most of the time. Like if I'm having a really shitty day, like I will brain dump on there and like, I hope no one ever finds it because there's some really weird shit comes out of my head sometimes. There's some dark shit in that book. There is, there is, but it gets out of my head and on the page yeah. and it leaves me, right? And so that's how right. I use journaling most of the time. But when you have a nine hour flight delay, cause there's a hurricane in the state of Florida and you're stuck in Charleston, South Carolina, you, you know, fuck, were you traveling during Ian? Um, was that, I don't think that was Ian. Um, this was a, no, it wasn't Ian. I was in, I was home for Ian because we lost power for nine days. So that was in October, <laughs> I believe. Um, yeah, this September. was the one that hit like the first week of November. It wasn't very big. But it was enough to, to, to close the, the airport down and stuff. It was the one that hit uh, Daytona pretty hard. Yeah, hit Daytona. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm in Orlando, so yeah. you know, we got a lot of that. But and I was in Charleston. So yeah, word. I did I did catch an Uber to downtown Charleston and go to um um Virginia's on King Street, which is the best fried chicken in America. And I went and had some fried chicken and cool. I went back to the airport. So but the cool <laughs> thing was Damon West flight was delayed too, so we hung out for a while at the airport. So nice very cool man that's cool dude well look man we gotta land the plane um i just appreciate you and i appreciate having this conversation with you um for my audience and it'll be in the show notes but you know talk to them a little bit how they can find you connect with you engage with you and possibly look to hire you for speaking engagement for their business or 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 anything Uh, like that the best way is 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 on my instagram one hand at a time it's me that responds. I don't have my VA working on my Instagram. So if you DM me, I will respond to you. Um, unless you've got some, I get some crazy DMs. I don't respond to those, yeah, but, I but as a whole, if you DM me, I will respond. Um, follow me. And, um, and I'm happy to talk to anybody about opportunities to get on stage and, and share. Well, hell yeah, man, Chris, dude, thank you again. I appreciate you. And guys, listen, I want you to really, the, the action item for everybody listening is to really sit and think about the one thing that they can do different. 
What is the one thing that you can do different today and be consistent with? Don't do pie in the sky. Pick something that you can do every single day as your standard and not worry about what are you going to get from it, right? This is about upholding who you are as an individual, as a man, woman, husband, father, whatever it is. Do that for six to 12 months, and I guarantee you, your life will look completely fucking different. But until next time, guys, thank you so much for listening, and we'll chat soon. Unlock your true potential on the field and court with our peak mental performance program for athletes. Train your mind to conquer challenges, stay focused under pressure, and achieve unparalleled success. Our expert coaches will guide you through personalized techniques, enhancing concentration, resilience, and confidence. Picture yourself outperforming your rivals, making split-second decisions with clarity, and achieving victory like never before. Join us today and elevate your game to new heights. Peak Mental Performance Program, where champions are forged in the mind. Email me today, sean.french at thedeterminedsociety.com for more information. See you inside.